Welcome to the Practical Idealist Podcast, aligning what is good with what is possible. I'm your host, Allison Bueller, Director of the Homestead Education Center in Starkville, Mississippi. Our focus on this show is real change that improves health, home, and community. We're a nonprofit organization, and we're very excited that you've joined us today. On this week's show, in the middle of winter, we're talking about mental health. Anxiety is a normal part of being human, but what about when it begins to own us, to hinder us from the things that we want or need to accomplish, or hold us back from enjoying things that we used to love? What causes anxiety and how can we move through it toward a more peaceful place? That's what we'll be talking about today on The Practical Idealist. This program is brought to you by the Homestead Education Center, a nonprofit organization in Starkville, Mississippi. Our online and on-site information, events, and workshops are supported by our members. If you like what you learn at the Homestead, jump on over to our membership page on the website and sign up for a level that's right for you. For as little as the price of a fancy coffee a month, you can keep our programming coming. Go to www.thehomesteadcenter.org. That's www.thehomesteadcenter.org. We just celebrated our seventh annual women's wellness retreat with over 35 women from across the state. Our themes this year were finding our joy so that we can share it with our communities, self-care as a selfless act, finding common ground with people who act, think, or believe differently than we do, and being vulnerable enough to cross uncomfortable boundaries and bring our voices to the table. Y'all, it was incredible to see such a diverse group of women come together to create powerful community. And if you think it's a waste of time to spend a weekend finding your joy, watch what those women do in 2019. I can't wait to see it. Our Eating with the Seasons potluck is this Saturday. It's at 5 o'clock and your kids are welcome. Just bring a seasonal dish. Don't stress over it. Come out and join us for a conversation led by counselor Megan Colvin on Beating the Winter Blues. And our Nature Kids Co-op meets every Wednesday. We have a special spring membership package available for people who are local who want to jump into the homestead this spring. For $50 for your entire family, you can attend at least one event a month. And for our friends that don't live here, we have different levels of membership for you that feature our virtual education events, like our February online course, Beating Anxiety and Depression. All of this is available at our website, www.thehomesteadcenter.org. I'd like to welcome our new members, Natalie Ziegler, Carrie Matthews, Kelly Chuck, Tina Joby, Teresha Killian, Layla Ashtiani, I hope I did that right, Layla. Thank you and appreciate you joining us. Thanks to all of you who email us too at thehomesteadms at gmail.com. We love hearing from you about the podcast. and. We love hearing new ideas. I've been getting several of those on the emails and I, I really appreciate the feedback. It lets us know that you value what we're sharing or at least find it amusing. Um, please, please keep me emailing ideas to us. You can reach me at Twitter at Allison Bueller MS as well, if that's a way that you communicate. And I'd like to share a couple of new reviews for the show. This one says, I enjoy the fact that this podcast is about improving ourselves and our lives, but in a real, and what feels like manageable way. 
that inspires me to keep trying to design my best life. Another one said, helpful and realistic. This podcast gives me realistic ways to improve my life, and I appreciate that the hosts and guests are down to earth and feel like friends. That feels good to hear on this end, so thank you, and keep them coming. I'd like to introduce to you today's guest. Lynn Peterson is a counselor who co-wrote Beating Anxiety and Depression for Life with me and another counselor, Buddy Wagner, who we'll have on the show later. She led, she's led dozens of workshops at the Homestead and specializes in helping people move through trauma, overcome anxiety, and understand the physiology behind mental health. Lynn is effective in her practice and in helping people find the tools that they need to escape old wounds, to forge new mental pathways, and to achieve a peaceful state. I'd like to welcome her to our show and have her tell just a little bit about her. Lynn, you can join us now. Hi, Allison. Hey, Lynn. How hey, are you? I'm good. And I want to start just by thanking you for giving me this opportunity and giving me so many opportunities to have amazing, wonderful experiences at the Homestead Center. Um, you have really brought a lot of joy into the world with your Homestead Center. Well, thank you. Thank you. And Lynn was a big part of the Women's Weekend. She thought she was coming to attend and teach, you know, just a little bit, and she ended up, I think, working all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but it was worth it. It was a wonderful weekend. If you've never been, you need to sign up to come next year because it is a life-changing and um, just you have to experience it to understand what it is. Let's start by having you tell us a little bit about your background and how you became so excited about your current field of study. This isn't your original field of study. Uh, no, I was an English major in college and um, a number of things. I was a dyslexic uh, tutor for many years and then I was a stay-at-home mom for many years. And um, so this is kind of my third or maybe my fourth career. <laughs> and really my interest in mental health stems, um, as it does for many people with my own struggles. Um, I had a lot of anxiety and depression um, starting um, from the time I was a child, really, a young child. Over the course of my life in searching for answers for myself, uh, I started to feel like um, I had something to offer others um, as a pathway out of the darkness of what I had experienced myself. So um, I hope that I can share some of that with all of you today uh, and that you will um, to find a little light uh, through some of your own darkness. Thank you. So mental health is a big field, and today I thought we would narrow it down to talking about anxiety. I've gotten a lot of emails lately on, um, you know, people saying I, I can't breathe, and this is hitting me out of nowhere, and I've ne never struggled with this before. And then other people who say, I've struggled with this my whole life, but I am so sick of it. Lynn, can you help us understand what anxiety is and where it comes from to start off with? Yeah, so I think the thing to understand about anxiety is that it's, um, it's actually a healthy physiological arousal that happens in our body that prepares us to be able to handle some kind of difficult situation. Um, but what we're finding in our culture now is that we're getting this physiological arousal activated at times when it's not appropriate, it's not going to be helpful, or we don't know how to channel it in a way that's going to benefit us, and so instead um, it's actually undermining our function. So what I try to teach clients is how to work with the sensations and the physiological arousal 
um, to let it move through your body and move out of your body in a healthy way so that you can return to a neutral state from which you, you can function in a, in a healthy and happy way. Yeah, and what is it? I mean, is it a, is it a chemical release in our body? What physically is it? Yes, it's a, it's a chemical release of um, a lot of like adrenaline, cortisol, um, and these are all things that are um, evolved in our bodies over millions of years to help us mobilize a lot of strength and stamina if we needed to run away from a wild animal or fight with somebody from an opposing tribe. And so if you think about it, I often give this analogy to my clients. Um, if you've ever seen one of those newspaper articles or a, a, on a TV a report about a mother who lifts a car off of her child who's trapped or something, that's how much energy can get mobilized in our body when our body for some reason thinks that we're in a dangerous situation. Um, and so you can see why that would be overwhelming if you've got enough strength in your body to actually lift up a car, but you don't have anything to do with that physically. And it's just, and those chemicals are just racing around in there in your muscles. Yeah, no wonder you feel like you can't breathe. Um, right. And what's the difference between normal anxiety and say like a panic attack? So what I like to say is that normal anxiety is proportional to the situation at hand. So for example, today um, I knew I was coming you know, to this interview, and so I had a little bit of nervousness about it. You know, when I would think ahead to it, I would think, well, you know, how's that gonna go? But then I would, then I would get distracted by something else and I wouldn't think about it. And then today, you know, as we were sitting here and I'm listening to your introduction, I can feel, uh, you know, my heart rate has elevated a little bit. I feel a little bit of dizziness, but it's nothing that's going to prevent me from talking to you or prevent me from enjoying this interview. So, um, so I would say that that is anxiety that's in proportion to the situation in which I find myself. Mm-hmm. But Unlike the anxiety I felt before a TED talk where I almost died. <laughs> yes, I, I actually was going to use that as an example because I heard you talking about that the other day. So um, sometimes we get triggered into this extreme mobilization of these chemicals um, in a situation where um, your life is not threatened, but it feels that way. So for right. you, y- you were about to go give that TED talk and you felt like you were going to die. You know, and that is um, that's very common in a panic attack is to really have the that feeling that we're going to die, um, and that sounds extreme, but in that moment, for anyone who's ever had one, it that is really the conviction that you have in that moment. Um, but that's not the reality of the situation. That's you know, you're going out there. There might be some people that didn't agree with what you had to say or were bored by your lecture, but that's about the worst thing that's going to happen. So that anxiety is totally out of proportion to the situation. And for a lot of people, panic attacks um, can come just completely out of the blue where, you know, it's not like they're about to go give a talk or there's anything happening, but just suddenly they find themselves um, having that, you know, their palms are sweating, they feel like they can't breathe, their heart is racing, their, their mind is racing, their thoughts are racing. Um, and that's, that's even more scary when it just hits you and you can't even tie it to any external event. Right. And what I want people to hear you say is that this is this is physical. It's not like you're making this up in your brain. It's not no. like you're just overreacting. This is a physical reaction. Yes. This is happening in your body and you don't have control of it over it. Mm-hmm. And that is why it's so frightening. 
Yeah, and we're going to talk about ways to move with this thing. I wouldn't. I wanted to say get control of it, but I think mm-hmm. you wouldn't say that. So I'll let you talk a little more about that later. But we know what it is now. It's a physiological response that at one time in our history was maybe helpful when they were tigers, but mm-hmm. now is maybe not so helpful in our everyday life. So why don't we just pop a pill and be done with it? Well, you know, it's never that simple, is it? <laughs> um, no. For, you know, for me, one of the things um, that you have to understand about the, the medicines that have been developed for anti-anxiety, um, they are some of um, the most habit-forming of the medicines. And while they can help you kind of get the symptoms under control or mask the symptoms, they're not really solving the underlying problem. They're not h- helping enable to you, t- well, they might be for a short time, help you enable to develop the tools to deal with it. But if you just take the medication, you're never going to get better. You're going to cover up the symptoms, and then you may also develop an addiction to the medication. And now you have two problems. You know, you've got the anxiety, and then you've got the addiction. So I really encourage people um, to try to learn some of these tools and, and do these things themselves first without medication, or if they're taking medication, to start learning the tools and start using them and try to phase off the medication or wean off of it if they can. Um, because this is, and I have found this, you know, when I teach clients these tools, and I've used them myself, I, I've had, um, actually had not had an anxiety attack really intensely since the time I got my training until probably about six or eight months ago. I had a horrible, horrible panic attack. And I had to use everything that I taught my clients to do. And it was really good for me because I walked myself through it and it was hard it was so hard and it was such a good experience for me to know like okay this is what my clients have been doing and I I I can do it too you can walk yourself through this and every time you do it you get better at it and stronger and the the attacks come less and less often and and they're less and less severe once you learn these techniques to really deal with them okay so there, you know, we're not saying there's not a place for medicine. There absolutely is, but the goal is to learn how to deal with these things so that you're not relying on something outside yourself, right? Right, because that way, you know, if you don't have access to medication, you're you're not just at a total loss. You've got something that you can draw on. Okay. So tell me, what is something immediate we can do when it hits? Okay, so uh, I I read in a, a book once this analogy of um, it's like riding a wave, and I, I like to think about that. So you know, if you feel one starting to come on, just to have that knowledge that this anxiety is gonna, it's like a wave, and it's going to reach a crest, and then it's going to subside again. So um, a lot of the first thing I would say that you have to do when you start feeling a panic attack coming on is you want to find your kindest, most nurturing, most gentle inner voice that's going to help walk you through it and be with you as you experience the physical sensations. Because um, what our mind tends to do when our body gets ramped up like that, our mind also gets ramped up and it tends to go to the worst case scenario. So it starts generating scary thoughts that even then ramp our body up even more. So really trying to notice where your thoughts are going and change them to being really uh, attentive to us and kind and gentle. So, you know, saying validating things to yourself like, 
okay, I feel like I'm gonna die, but I know I'm not gonna die. I know this is a panic attack and I'm gonna get through it. I'm gonna keep breathing. Just kind of talking yourself through it like that. So I remember in a part of Beating Anxiety and Depression that you wrote, you talked about an example of a woman on a bus who would get around people and have start to have anxiety and start to go into a panic attack. Could you tell us maybe how we would walk through that? Um, so yeah, let's use that example. So she's sitting on the bus and she's starting to feel this. She notices heart rate's going up, her chest is tightening, her palms are getting a little sweaty. Okay, so what I really encourage her to do is to um, first of all look around because Adi has a series of steps that it naturally wants to go to that were developed over those eons of time to help keep us safe. And the first one is that when we sense a threat, then our, our body wants to look around, to look all the way around and see, okay, what is coming at me? So one of the ways that you can calm yourself down when you start getting anxious is to let yourself monitor your periphery and see, like, is there anything threatening me? So um, again, you want to validate your experience. So I feel scared, okay? I don't feel safe, okay? But then you look around, you look around your environment and see that there's nothing actually threatening you and then you can reassure yourself, but I am safe. And you can, okay. you can just do that. So just, and, and you want to try to make your, your movement slow and deliberate because you are in this elevated state. You want to do everything very quickly, but that can actually elevate the anxiety more. So you want to try to do it slowly, just looking around slowly, moving your head and trying to stay aware of your body sensations. Because the more aware you are of your body sensations, the more you're staying in the present moment. And, and that's not what we want to do in this situation. Right. We're jumping to scary, uh, scary future scenarios, or maybe we're remembering something scary that happened to us in the past. And that's only going to make us more scared. So we want to try to stay in this moment, feeling our body sensations in this moment, and, um, and, and going slowly and taking deep breaths. There's something about a deep belly breath that stimulates what we call the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is the nerve that activates the opposite of the fight or flight response. So the fight or flight response um, is the one that we hear about all the time, but we actually have another system called rest and digest. And a deep okay. belly the breath. parasympathetic. Yeah, and that deep belly breath helps us access that. So taking those slow, deep, deliberate breaths, trying to kind of slow down our system and stay aware of what we're feeling. And then another thing that you can do um, is to actually um, activate some of the muscle groups that you would have used if you were going to run away or you were going to fight but again doing those very slowly and deliberately so um, you might just sit and um, slowly clench your fists and really feel your fingers squeezing into your palms and really push that all that energy that you've got going from your adrenaline I, I'm doing this right now and I can feel that even just you know my, my little bit of anxiety about the interview that just squeezing my fists it makes me feel more calm and then just you know slowly opening your fingers feeling your fingers open feeling how the air feels against your skin noticing how it feels in those muscles to move them and um, 
And then just, you know, do a series of this, opening and closing your fists very slowly and deliberately. Move those muscles and then it helps your chemistry calm down and go back to a more neutral state. Okay. So those are practical steps of things that we can do when we feel it coming on. Yes. But what about practices that we can engage in that lower anxiety overall? Okay, so this is going to probably feel like familiar advice, but one of the absolute best things you can do is exercise on a regular basis because when you exercise you're activating all those muscle groups and you're getting to you know any excess cortisol and adrenaline that are in your body are getting to actually move out through that exercise um, so for mental health catchphrase is that 30 minutes of exercise is as effective as a zoloft as far as elevating your mood and you want to try to do that about five days a week getting about 30 minutes uh, of exercise a day or you can do it three days a week an hour at a time but trying to get two and a half to three hours of exercise every week is one of the best things you can do both for depression and anxiety so that's I I ask all my clients and I tell people if you need to start really slowly that's okay if you need to start with a five-minute walk and you just walk five minutes every day for a week and then the next week you add five more minutes and you're walking 10 minutes everything that you do is going to have a positive benefit every bit of exercise that you get so um, more and more in my practice I'm finding break things down into tiny little goals and have successes with those goals and then build on them rather than to say you know, I'm gonna go from not exercising at all to exercising you know 30 minutes a day five days a week that's probably might, that might sustain for a little while, but it's not going to become a habit the way it does if you do it little by little. That's something we talked about at the Women's Wellness Retreat this week, and Patricia Cartwright was saying tiny goals, tiny goals, and big successes come from those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then, I've had clients that started that way. At the beginning of the year, they weren't exercising at all, and they gradually add that in. By the end of the year, they had a really good exercise routine that was a natural part of their week, and they missed it if they didn't do it. But they, they would have, at the beginning of the year, they would never have believed that they could have gotten there through those little tiny steps. Yeah. And the other thing that we talked about was finding something you like. It, it doesn't ha- I was teaching at the King Center with some people this week, and we were talking about you know, cleaning as an exercise mm-hmm. if you put some mm-hmm. music on and you're cleaning or going dancing or mm-hmm. like I, I hate exercise but I love walking the dog and talking to my friends while we walk so I can do it that way yeah and that's right and if you haven't found your thing yet keep looking because um, it took me a long time to find the things I like um, and I like yoga because it's pretty gentle and you can kind of do it at your own level and I like Pilates and um, the other thing I love is badminton and I don't ask me why. I cannot play any kind of sport or any kind of competitive anything. Oh, this is exciting because Buddy Wagner thought he had jury duty today, and he's the third author of Beating Anxiety and Depression for Life, and he is getting to join us on this call as well. So welcome, Buddy. Thanks. Thanks. Good to be here. We were just talking about finding the type of exercise you like. Lynn likes badminton. <laughs> and so there's something for everyone, even if you think you're a total klutz. Like, keep trying. Any any sport that comes your way, just try it. Give it a try. You never know what is going to just spark your joy and you're going to discover that you love. Right. Yeah. Buddy, I want to introduce you a little bit. He, Buddy's what I call a modern-day magician because I have seen him work magic on participants who've struggled for years in just one session. 
He's a professor in the counseling department at Mississippi College. I, I'm retired. I'm a retired professor. <laughs> You're retired now. I thought yeah. you were still teaching a well, class. Well, I, I was until the, this summer. I taught my last class. So. Oh my goodness! You're probably driving your wife crazy. <laughs> probably so. <laughs> but you were trained in hypnotherapy, and you're a big believer in the power of neurolinguistic therapy to change the brain quickly. Right. Exactly. The thing that brought me to you was hearing you say this that you saw patients for years and years in talk therapy and you would go over the same old things and the same old anxieties and the same things that drove people crazy and you thought there has to be a better way. Right. Can you talk a little bit about the better way that you found? Yes. Uh, through my training in hypnosis and neuro-linguistic programming, I came to understand that talking about the past isn't valuable. That to help people get better, they've got to look at the present to future. And instead of asking, why am I like this? The question becomes, how do I get better? How do I improve? What, what do I need to do to change my thinking or my behavior, my lifestyle, whatever, uh, so that I can get well? And, and that totally revolutionized. Once I got away from why are you like this and trying to dig back and find stuff in the past and started looking to the present toward the future, people started getting better real quick. Mm -hmm. We had Lynn talk about um, what to do, what practical thing to do if you feel anxiety. We're talking about anxiety today. We'll talk about depression another day. That's a whole other ball game. But well, not really. I mean, same flip side of the same coin. But can you walk us through some of the things that you or just at least one thing that you use with people to deal with a real strong sense of anxiety coming on. Yeah, well, I think what, what NLP taught me is that we can control, we, we may not be able to control our thoughts, but we can control how we think those thoughts. And what I mean by that is we think through our five senses. We, when we think we're either making pictures or we're hearing voices or sounds, or we're experiencing sensations in our body, and occasionally we might use smell and taste. Those are not as, as used as much. But once I learned that and learned that, you know, say a person with anxiety, uh, well, let's, let's, take, let's take public speaking since that's the, the biggest uh, phobia, the, the most uh, people suffer from that phobia than any others. What I found was that people who have a phobia of public speaking, they were either making a picture of the audience right in front of their face, mm -hmm. which would make anybody be anxious. Mm -hmm. So to teach them to move that picture back and to shrink it and to change it if it's in color, then change it to black and white so it's not so powerful. And by changing the, the uh, characteristics or aspects of the visual picture they have in their head, they can change how they feel when they're in that situation and so, so you're doing this ahead of time uh, well it, it, perhaps or you can do it when you experience the anxiety either way uh, and so for an example okay. of that let's suppose that I'm uh, constantly hearing a voice in my head say of, of one of my parents who are constantly you know degrading me and, and telling me how stupid I am, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I can take that voice 
and move it out so it's away from me. I can turn the volume down. I can change it to a cartoon character. Whatever, whatever I need to do to it so that it loses its power. And so now, if I hear my parent as Elmer Fudd degrading me, it doesn't bother me. You know, I can laugh at it instead of being traumatized by it. So that, that's the kind of thing that I teach people to do uh, to help alleviate their anxiety or, and or depression, either one. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, and we're talking about practices in the moment and then also just practices that are good overall. Lynn, I'm going to come back to you. What are some other supplements and foods or behaviors that help with anxiety? And then, Buddy, I want to hear what your take is on that, too. Okay. Okay. Uh, Well, I definitely want to mention mindfulness practice. Um, We're hearing a lot about that in the news, and there's so many studies showing it, and I I know it from my own life and from my clients. Um, People who find a few minutes every day to spend some time it can be a guided meditation that they find on the internet, um, or it can be just focusing on their own breathing, um, but some kind of experience of really sitting and attending to uh, the sensations in your body, the thoughts in your mind, the emotions that you're experiencing, and observing them without judgment, stepping back and just witnessing the phenomenon. Um, it just calms the whole system down and so when you're operating at a calmer level to begin with then the stressors of daily life aren't so likely to pop you over into that anxiety that's so much that you can't handle it Um, so i definitely recommend exploring mindfulness practice as far as supplements um there a lot of people find that gaba is one that helps if they have a lot of anxiety the other thing I find is a big piece both for anxiety and depression is you've got to be sleeping well and um, a lot of people have magnesium shortages and magnesium is incredibly important for a lot of different things in the body but if you have a shortage it can really interfere with your sleep and if you're not sleeping well um, you're going to be much more likely to have anxiety and depression so I recommend um, there's a lot of different forms of magnesium Um, magnesium glycinate is a good one Um, magnesium citrate Mm -hmm. is a good one so I recommend those to a lot of clients Um, fish oil is something that has helped me there's I think the low-fat trend um, if you look that there's some evidence that anxiety and depression both gone up since the the low-fat trend and I think part of that is the the brain needs fat to um, to operate successfully and it needs healthy fats We've gotten so afraid of fat in this culture um, that I think we've gone to an extreme with that and that people's brains are starving for that nutrition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Buddy, what about you? Supplements, foods, behaviors that help overall? Well, uh, I agree with Lynn uh, in terms of the mindfulness. I, I think that's a wonderful way. What, what I do find many times with people who suffer from anxiety with the mindfulness, they they have an extremely difficult time focusing for any length of time. Mm-hmm. And so what, what I encourage them to do is, you know, if you can only focus for five seconds, then do five seconds. But if you keep practicing and keep working, eventually you can build that time up to, you know, to a, a, a length of time that will uh, help calm you down. Uh, I also agree with Lynn on the sleep 
that sleep is extremely important and obviously people who are anxious have a difficult time going to sleep and have a difficult time uh, sleeping through the night. Uh, again, that's where mindfulness can come in. Uh, that's where doing a systematic muscle relaxation can come in. <clears throat> that's where using an NLP technique can come in to help the person uh, be calm enough to be able to go to sleep and then to sleep all night. Uh, as far I, I'm not a big supplement person, I, and I don't mean that I don't agree with that. It's just that I don't, I don't, I, I don't struggle with anxiety or depression, so I don't take any supplements specifically for those things. Mm-hmm. What I would say, on the other hand, is though, you know, obviously, if you're anxious, you want to stay away from things like coffee. And uh, oh yeah, I uh, wanted to mention that too. Don't drink caffeine. Yeah, <laughs> if you're yeah, anxious. stay away, stay away from the caffeine for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, you know, breathing is extremely important, and to as part of the mindfulness, uh, to just to uh, focus on your breathing. Also, visualization. You visualizing yourself being calm. It's amazing what uh, when you visualize something, it becomes. It, it can doesn't always, but it can become reality for you. And so, uh, visualize yourself being calm, and make that picture as powerful as possible. If a moving picture is more powerful than a still snapshot, then make it a moving picture. If color is more uh, powerful than black and white, make it color. If life size is more powerful than an 8 by 10 make it life size. But experiment with those, those characteristics of, of the picture and make that picture as powerful as possible. Use, use voices. You know, uh, have your friends uh, hear their voices encouraging you or whatever, whatever it takes, but use your senses to help you relax. What about the setting the anchor, buddy? I really like that one that you do, setting an anchor. Yes, uh, an, an anchor is simply uh, a, uh, it can be a physical touch, it can be uh, a particular sound, or it can be uh, a picture in your head, doesn't matter what it is, but... A word. A word, yeah, but an anchor brings you back to a particular experience, and all of us, probably the anchor that most of us have had experience with is a particular song. If you know, if you, for me, I know I grew up in the '60s, so there was a popular song back then: "Roses are red, violets are blue, sugar is sweet, and so are you." Song (laughs) sung by Bobby Vinton. And I was out on a date one night with a girl that was not—we were not romantically involved; we were just friends. But Mm -hmm. every time I hear that song, it takes me back to that situation immediately. You know, Mm -hmm. and so that's an anchor. And so. uh, get into a state of relaxation and then touch your middle finger to your thumb or you know whatever anchor you want to set but set that anchor and then get out of that state of relaxation and calmness and then fire that anchor and see if that relaxation comes back and if it does then you know you've got that anchor you can use anytime if it doesn't then set it again until you until you get it set so that you can pull that out when you need it exactly yeah well, what I like about these two counselors is that they're practical. Um, there are things we can do to move through anxiety. And it, it, Lynn said it very well. It's a wave. You've got to know that it's going to subside. And so these are things you can do when it hits to make it through the wave to the other side of it. And I really appreciate you guys being here with me today to first of all explain physiologically what 
anxiety is and then how we can what we can do in the midst of that wave and then what other practices we can put in our lives to to keep us from hitting that wave so often and if there's anything you'd like to um, end with before we go I'd love to have you how about Lynn you want to say anything before you go um, I just um, encourage everyone who's listening I encourage all my clients with this is um, these things just take practice like everything in life you know we um, and you know like Buddy was saying with meditation or we're talking about the exercise just even doing a little bit um, you start to build that muscle you start to um, to incorporate that into your life and little by little it grows and um, creates more wellness and um, it, it gets to kind of a snowball effect so um, you know and there will be times when you're gonna you're gonna fall off of some of these good habits and practices it's it's not the falling down it's the getting back up so you just get back into it as soon as you can and uh, don't give up on yourself that's my uh, biggest message to everyone is just keep looking for things keep trying things keep practicing and you are going to create better well-being in your life thank you Lynn thanks for being here with us today mm, thank you for giving me this opportunity buddy what would you like to leave people with well I would hope that we might all realize how we've been created. I, I am convinced that we have been created with the ability uh, to be healthy within within reason. I know there are exceptions to that, but uh, I think we have already within us the tools we need to uh, be healthy mentally and for the most part physically. Uh, and so don't, as Lynn said, don't give up on yourself and don't don't think that you are powerless. You're not. You have a tremendous amount of power if you learn what works for you and then and then use it. And as Lynn said, uh, you practice. You've got to practice it until you become proficient at it. But uh, trust yourself. Believe in yourself. Believe that you're capable of being uh, a happy, well-functioning human being because I'm convinced that you are. Hmm. Oh, I love that. Nice. I love that. That's such a, it's such an important thing to end with. The mind is so powerful that it creates the anxiety to begin with. Yes. It creates the physiology in your body, the, the adrenaline, the you know, cortisol, the, all the, the shaking, the sweating, the stomach clenching. But it's that powerful in the other way too. Yes. And mm -hmm. we can turn it. We can learn to turn it. I never, I never knew that. I never, never knew that for the longest time. And I, you guys are the reason I know that. <laughs> so I really appreciate both of your work. And I'm going to put a link to the book in the show notes. So we, we created basically a book of everything we know about this. And then we created a workbook so that you do put it into practice, like Buddy and Lynn said. You've got to put it into practice. And I'll put a link to that for anyone who's interested. But we'll be doing our um, fourth, I think, fourth online Beating Anxiety and Depression for Life online course through the Homestead Center starting February 1st. So if you are interested in that, please go to the website at www.thehomesteadcenter.org and sign up for that course because all that information puts to practice what Buddy and Lynn talked about today. I really thank you guys for being here. Thank I you, hope, Allison. I, I hope you. that every, you're welcome. I hope that everyone got something out of it and that you will remember to subscribe and review the podcast. And here's to a joyful week. Mm -hmm.